Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Varsity Club Podcast. I'm Derek and joining us this week, Greg Smith is back. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? I'm good. When was the last time we had you on the podcast? Probably. It feels like it's well. It feels like it's was been it three before Big Ten weeks. Media Days? Well, because you were gone. Yeah. No, I was on once with Erin, right when she was sick. Was that after? Yeah, Big that was Media that was immediately after we got back. So it's been okay. two weeks. Okay. It's been See, two weeks. Hasn't since, been that long. It feels like it's been longer though. That's just because you miss me. I, yeah, probably. Um, we are credentialed. For the football season, so we get to cover Nebraska this season. We do. We both got our email notifications that we are indeed credentialed, so that is nice. Uh, Greg, I want to ask you first, your, your man LeBron James uh, was officially photographed in Lakers garb, and not only that, but it was like Showtime Laker uniforms, and he was wearing original Kobe Bryant sneakers. Did you die a little bit? I cried a little tear of joy. You need to be resuscitated? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, I, I I went through a lot of emotions. I did cry a little. Um, then that video came out of him working out with Coos and B.I. Like, and then he called them young kings and said they were going to be a problem this season. Um, we'll see if that's a good problem or a bad problem, but I digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I've been through a nice a wave of emotions about that. I'm very happy, though. Very happy. It still doesn't feel real, by the way. Probably won't. Like for as much sense. gear as I already have and as many pictures as I've seen, like it, it still doesn't completely feel real. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're happy because the Lakers need something to feel happy about. On this podcast, we're going to talk Husker football. A couple things happened this week. Nebraska started fall camp, and there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff on HailVarsity.com for you to read. I won't run through it all, but there is a lot of stuff that you should read. So get over there. We've got videos. We've got interviews with players. We've got interviews with coaches. Uh, get over there and read. There's a lot of stuff that happened, and one of the first things I want to talk to you about is something you put in Big Red Recon that got posted today before the podcast. Read that, too. You you touched on the running back room, Mm -hmm. and that's that's the thing that I want to hit on the most in this podcast. We're going to talk about quarterbacks in a bit because I feel like if if you're talking about Nebraska, you have to talk about quarterbacks. It has to come up. The thing to me that is most interesting with this team right now and and is, is coming up a lot is the running back room. And Frost said today that they feel like they've they've got home run hitters in the running back room. They did not have that last year after Trey Bryant went down. And one of the things you put in Big Red Recon was all of the backs that they have now that we're talking about that, that are going to be able to play this season, they've also got three more guys already committed for the next cycle. Mm-hmm. I want to start with the transformation of that room under Ryan Held. Are you shocked with how quickly that transformation has taken place? Yes, um, is the short version of that. The longer version is is it's been really incredible actually to see 
the transformation of that room and basically how everything has kind of lined up well and gone well for Nebraska. Like to get to the point to where now people are asking Ryan Held the other day, I believe Wednesday, during when he talked to the media about how he was going to actually balance the carries and figure this out. Trey Bryant was asked about the same thing and said, hey, basically the plan right now is, is that, you know, guys will get their two or three reps. They'll be able to go 100% and then they'll be able to come out and know another good player is coming in to spell them. Um, we'll see how that one goes. Um, but it's just how we got to that point by basically Trey Bryant now being completely healthy, which I I would have bet a significant amount of money that we would not have seen him in fall camp based on what we saw last year, the famous now infamous Mike Riley quote about him having old man knees. Um, then you have... Uh, I think that water is going to get us every time we podcast. Yeah, I think it's gotten us every time. Um, Then after the Trey Bryant situation, you have Maurice Washington um, not only making it to Lincoln, which was in question altogether, not being an academic redshirt, um, but then also being a full participant and then wowing people, including Scott Frost, like to have those two things really line up in addition to the fact that Greg Bell has been what is advertised, I would say, um, has gotten good reviews, like things have gone as well as they could have gone for Nebraska with the running backs they have on the roster and they already had committed. And then, like you said, there's three guys committed for the 2019 class um, that are all very good running backs. And I think all of them, people say this all the time about the guys that they cover, but I feel like each running back that's committed right now um, is due for a ratings bump throughout their season because they all had fantastic junior seasons um, and should, by all accounts, have really good senior ones as well, especially Ronald Tompkins, who missed um, the majority, actually, of his junior season down at Grayson in Georgia. Like, this running back situation is going to be a lot better than at least I gave it credit for. And I think pretty quickly, which is a great welcome change for Husker fans who are used to having a great running attack at Nebraska. That's the thing is it's, it's typically been a really good attack. Last season, it was really, really bad. They were really bad. They weren't efficient. They were 102nd in success rate in the country and they were 125th in explosiveness, which is just terrible. (laughs) Like you're not efficient and you're not explosive. Um, So when Frost is sitting there saying, I think we've got a lot of depth and I think we've got home run hitters in the backfield. That's a a big thing. That's a big thing to me. I want to run through uh, the running backs first. Let's start with Divino Zigbo because he is a guy that both of us um, have, have been critical of in the past in terms of he can get you three yards, but he's not going to get you 20 yards. Or or more. Right. And Frost talked about the difference between this offense and offenses that, that maybe other teams run, other spread offenses that other teams run, or offenses that Nebraska has ran in the past, is that when you have a crease that can give you five yards, can you turn that into 12 yards? Can you turn that into 20 yards? Can you turn that into a 60-yard touchdown? In the past, Nebraska hasn't done that. Well, in, in, the, in the past couple of seasons, right. Nebraska hasn't done that. He talked about Divino Zigbo, and he's a guy that hasn't done that. Uh, but he said that Devine has slimmed down. Devine looks leaner. He looks faster. Um, and he looks like a guy that that fits more into this offense, that fits more into what they're going to ask of a running back. Is it, Could he be – I mean, I think we looked at him as, as kind of a, a goal line specific back, as kind of a your battering ram in short yarded situations. But can you can you see him being a guy that's more than that? It's still really hard for me to see that. 
Um, if only because even with the improvements that he's made, they're not, I mean, not that I would disagree with Frost on this, but he does look slimmer. He does look a little bit faster just when you see the little bit that we've seen, right? Um, so I totally agree there. But where he started to where he's at now to where he would need to go to catch some of the other guys that we'll talk about here soon, I just think it's too big of a gap to really feel like it naturally fits in this offense. That said, I, I do think he'll have somewhat of a role, though, just because he works so hard. Like, I, I that is something that, like, you will never be able to take that away from him. Um, Divino Zigbo is going to put the time in, and he's going to basically force his way into being able to have some sort of role. How big that role is, I don't know. Um, but he just works too hard to keep him off the field because you have to reward that type of work and effort. And that's the thing that Scott has stressed so much. It's not necessarily about... You know who's the fastest who can you know hit the pile the hardest and, and move things back it's about who is going to bring consistent energy who's going to bring consistent effort who is going to 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 mentally fight and he used the word strain today <laughs> which was hilarious but who's going to mentally strain and divine is absolutely one of those yeah. guys he i mean his his praise over the last couple seasons is he's been the guy that just works his tail off and i think he works too hard to not get playing time i think the interesting thing is before let's say back let's say go back to the spring mm-hmm. would you have put him ahead or behind of Mikhail Wilbon and Jalen Bradley I would have put him ahead of Mikhail Wilbon but behind Jalen Bradley so interesting enough Ozigbo was mentioned before both of them today uh there was the rumor that Mikhail might not even make it onto the fall camp roster but he did um Scott didn't even mention Jalen Bradley today he he, he ran through all the other running backs I don't think we've heard a single mention of Jalen Bradley I, over well, last week. Outside, like not from the coaching staff. Like we get asked about him quite a bit because he's a local player and he had a great high school career. But yeah, I'm with you. Like we just have not heard, especially even like we just have not heard much at all about him, um, which is kind of interesting because he was the running back on the roster that, that UCF had offered a scholarship to. Mm-hmm. Um, so people kind of, because of that and, and because of his prolific high school career, did assume that he would find himself really get a nice bump in this offense, but it just has not seemed to really come together for Jalen Bradley. Maybe so he's, maybe he's a guy we, we got to ask about uh, in the coming days or the coming weeks. But so, so Troy Walters talked about, he was asked, about the the running back rotation and, and what would be an ideal number of carries and he really kind of punted on that question he didn't he didn't give a, an answer to the you know the ideal number of carries but he did say that at Central Florida they used four main backs and I think whether you want to if you want to include Miles Jones in there you can because he's going to get carries as a running back but if we focus on the four main backs I think as, as it sounds right now Divine might be four Divine might be fourth so you would put Greg. Bell, Trey Bryant. Well, we'll get to them in a second. Third <laughs> okay. would probably be Trey Bryant, right? I, boy, that's tough. Like, I think when you get to that top three, which is, this is a good thing. In this time, Yeah, in this case, this is a good thing. When you get to those top three guys, I think they're all very good players. No. I think that they all are capable of being the guy. And Which is something that I cannot believe we're saying after a week of fall camp, given where we left off at the end of last season and where we were in the spring. And they give you a, they give you a little bit different each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but running backs coach Ryan Held talked about how it's it's his job right now, and what they're trying to do is to get every single guy to give everything to give the whole package. So so let's just say for for argument's sake, mm-hmm. Trey is number three. So let's okay. talk about Trey. He was a guy that looked phenomenal last season. Uh, the the 
you know, seven quarters that we got to watch him play. He, he, the, the the 192 yards against Arkansas State, and that was a good Arkansas State defense. Mm-hmm. They're defensively against against the run. They were really good um, throughout the course of the season, and then he had 100 yards and three quarters against Oregon. Mm-hmm. Frost says he's he's back. It wasn't Frost. It was Troy Walters says he's full go. Mm-hmm. Trey says he's healthy. Trey said last year heading into fall camp, it felt like they were already on survival mode, and he said that when he went down. It wasn't. It wasn't a surprise because they were. They were. It sounded like they were sort of expecting it to happen. It was just a matter of how long can we ride this thing out until it actually happens. So he says he's back. He says he's not on survival mode. He says he's feeling better. And I think the biggest thing is. I mean, he got 31 carries last year in the in the opener. I don't think he's going to touch that. I think he he could get a quarter of those, and that would probably be a max this season. Six or seven carries, maybe a game for Trey Bryant. That's really good for for the quality of a running back that he is. Yes, and, then, and that's the the thing because we've seen him be very good um, running the football here. One of the rare or a few bright spots from last season, um, but also keep in mind that Trey Bryant's one of the few and really few guys from last season's team that this coaching staff previous I think it was in the spring unsolicited multiple of them said Trey Bryant's really good. <laughs> like he was one of the guys that they all actually kind of that they watched film of and that they didn't really need to do what my impression was is they didn't need to change much about what he brought to the table they were happy with the player that he was progressing into um which is great for him because that means that he'll always have a role as long as he continues on the path um but i think him at trey bryant at six to eight or nine carries a game is a really good thing to have for this team especially because i think you're gonna have to ease him in like mm-hmm. i know he looks good right now but i do want to see how he looks in week three of camp and then when you get to that Akron game what he looks like at that point too I want to see how he looks against Troy because I mean camp is is totally different than when you when you get into a football game and and the hits start flying and he made the comment he was asked if he's going to wear any kind of knee brace or anything on his on his knee and he said no that just gives defenders a target to hit you at Um, so I thought that was interesting Six to nine carries, like you said, that's a luxury to have oh, yeah. with a guy because he's a starting caliber running back when he's healthy. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about, I think the top two guys would probably be interchangeable at this point, but let's talk about Maurice Washington. Cool. Do you buy the hype? Because there is so much hype around Maurice Washington right now. Is he about to win a Heisman Trophy this season? <laughs> he is not about <laughs> to win a Heisman Trophy, but I do believe the hype. Um, he is like he's as physically gifted a running back that I've seen in Nebraska or come in in Nebraska in a long time. Like I don't know because it, it, you can't. Have, people will say, "Oh, Amir," but remember, Amir was not thought to be Amir when he first came in. Amir was a three-star recruit that either was going to play defensive back or running back. He didn't really know. Uh, most schools had recruited him as a defensive back. I think you have to go back to the Carell, Buckhalter, Amon Green days to see a running back that was this talented when they came in. Like I think wow. Troy Walters said, like some guys just have it. Right. Like some guys, you just can't coach that. Like when you see them out there and you see Frost and what he said about him today, um, he's I think he is a special player. Um, It's just how how much of a workload can he take now? (laughs) But as we're saying and kind of walking through here, how much will he need to take? right away because you don't have to have that pressure to put all of the carries on him or 25 carries 22 carries a game on him right away sure and i and you mentioned what scott said i want you guys to listen to what scott said friday morning this is that quote from scott frost on maurice washington 
Yeah, we're, we're glad to have Mo. Uh, you know, he had a long road to get here, uh, but he's had probably a dozen uh, big plays, spectacular plays already in this camp. So he's definitely opening some eyes, and I, I think he's got a bright future here. Uh, I'd say to this point, he's better than what I expected. Um, it's amazing he hadn't worked out much. He was focused on academics. Um, he was working. I don't think he was eating uh, and getting all the nutrition that he needed. He showed up actually quite a bit lighter than when he was here on his recruiting visit. Uh, so we didn't know what we would get, but um, he's going to be pretty special. So the thing, the thing there that gets me is when he talks about, you know, he, he wasn't working out. He was focused on academics. He wasn't eating properly. Now he's in a situation where all of that stuff is taken care of because it's a, it's a, it's a little bit harder when you're on your own and you don't have oh, yeah. people whose job <laughs> it is to take care of you right. in that regard. Um, but, I mean, I mentioned to you, and, and you mentioned the exact same thing when we got that open practice on Wednesday. He's slight. He is leaner. He, and, he, and he's tall. So maybe there's a little bit more muscle there than what shows just because he is six foot one. But he's leaner when you look at him compared to a guy like Greg Bell, who's six foot two oh five and, and there's there's muscle there. And I asked Troy Walters if, if they were concerned about that and he said, No, I mean, we would like him to add weight, but he can play he can play at the, the weight that he is now. And so far from everybody that we've talked to, from the players that we've talked to, from the coaches that we've talked to, and from what we saw, he's a damn good player. Yeah, he definitely is. Like in like because in running back too is one is one of those positions where I think you can, if you are a special talent, you can get away with needing to add some additional bulk. Um, but it, but you're really on kind of borrowed time for the long haul with that. But I don't I don't worry about of all the things that we could be worried about. I'm not worried about whether or not Zach Duvall and Dave Ellis can put weight on a kid. Like that's no. not something that we should ever be concerned with. And but, he's uh, shifty enough to avoid getting hit in yeah, some certain yeah. Some, and, and that instances. helps too because you see that kind of with quarterbacks that run a lot if they're shifty enough or if they just are smart enough not to take those hits he he'll have to do a little bit of that but also one thing to note about just his body type that you were kind of mentioning too is that we do have to realize that he has he just has a little bit different body type than some of the other running backs that we're used to seeing around here right he looks um more like a Melvin Gordon type body like maybe that's what he's going to grow into um than what you would normally see around here like a Rex Burkhead or someone like that which I think will take a little bit of getting used to and he's one of those guys if you I mean I I think Central Florida over the last two years the max number of carries a single running back got in a game was 16 I mean if he's getting 14 to 16 carries a game and you're you're letting him stay fresh and you're bringing him in uh in in situations where he can be effective and you're bringing him in 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 role situations that's also really, really good to have. Very, yes, very much so. But I think that see, do you think that that do you think he'll hit average double digit carries per game? Yes. Man, I I think he's still in the six to nine carry range with Trey. I would have predicted that before this week, but I, I mean they've been they. I mean, you know. It, fumbling over words in the springtime they were a little bit more reserved in terms of giving out praise like they like everyone is praising this kid like there's good things to say about this kid from everyone i think there's too much good juju going on for him right now to not get double digit carries and i think i think he's too talented for him to not get double digit carries and maybe you know 16 17 18 is too much because they still have another guy that we'll get to in a second but 12 or 14 is really good. I mean, when you get you get twelve or fourteen for him, you got six to nine for for Trey Bryant. You've you've 
you find four or five for Divino Zigbo or, or goal line situations for him. I mean, you're. I mean, I, I think they're going to run the ball a ton. That's probably where they want to be at, right? Yeah, I would. I would think so. I'm just trying to figure out in my mind too because. I, I think that you're going to have wide receiver carries as well. We also haven't given carries to Miles Jones. Um, I, I just, but I do think that they're going to be run heavy. But again, that also might depend on who the quarterback is, because they've got me completely all screwed up about who the quarterback is going to be based on the different comments that have happened. But we'll get to that. And regardless of who the quarterback is, you're probably going to have quarterback carries too. Yeah. So maybe maybe all of these carries take four away from well then you're only getting- so maybe mo doesn't hit double digits i think he's close to double digits though either either you know one or two on the low side or one or two on the high side mm-hmm. but we'll probably i guess set it set the over under at 10 i guess mm-hmm. so then the the fourth guy the final guy uh greg bell who is a guy that you know he got a lot of 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 fanfare in the spring when he first got here and rightfully so i think he's a good back and he showed that in the spring game and it's been mostly quiet on on the bell front through the first week not a lot of talk about him i think that's more to do with the the newness and the freshness of maurice washington being here and people wanting to ask about him uh frost on friday said that you know he he, he looks good he, he's as as expected greg bell is do you think that he is maybe the most polished all-around runner that they have right now Yes, yeah, and I, I think that he also gives you, because he's able to catch the ball out of the backfield as well, um, also able to pick up blitzes in a third down type situation, I, I think that he, I think Greg Bell will see the field the most out of the running backs, um, and he'll end up getting the most carries, but there's also going to be a lot of times where we see two backs, two running backs mm-hmm. on the field, um, which is something I think Husker fans should be really excited about, because if you take two of those three guys that we just mentioned, plus the quarterback, plus a J.D. Spielman, like I think you've got the makings of a really dangerous run game. Um, but no, I, I definitely like where Greg Bell is, and I think that he is as much of the quote-unquote man at the running back spot as you're going to be able to have in kind of a divided carry situation. So the comment that we've got home run hitters in this in this running back room right now, the comment that you know everybody likes the depth, everybody likes the, the bodies that they have, what's the ceiling for this running game in 2018? Do you think that that's going to be the, the 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 attack that they rely on offensively? That it'll be more consistent than last year? Yes, I do think it'll be more consistent than last year for sure. Um, if for nothing else, well, for two reasons. One, I do think that the running backs themselves... Um, that group as a unit is just much more improved, I think, on paper at least, than they were last year. I think you would definitely take this year's situation over last year's just with the raw um, guys that they have. Um, but also, I think the scheme will help in that regard a lot, too. I think that the, the way that this offense is designed, like it just make almost makes it to where you end up with those situations that Frost talked about where you have that crease whether or not you can hit that and turn that into 5-12 or a 60-yard touchdown run um, is up to you. But I think those opportunities will definitely be there. And I think the guys that they have will be able to take advantage of that. So a question for you then. Do you feel a little bit more comfortable about an uneasy offensive line given the new guys that they have and, and, and adding Trey Bryant back in? Um, do you feel a little bit more comfortable about the offensive line not needing to be as strong as we previously thought because last year you know when you had Mikhail Wilbon and you had Divino Zigbo running if there wasn't a big hole to run through they were getting two yards or they were getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage 
this year, obviously the scheme is going to be a little bit different. We saw pin and pull plays in practice, um, which people got excited about. Yeah. But I think they have maybe a little bit more dynamic runners in the backfield and the new guys in, in Greg Bell and Maurice Washington. And, and Trey proved last year that oh, yeah. he could he could get 192 yards with the offensive line that they had. Mm-hmm. So do you feel a little bit more comfortable about that line, even you know, even knowing that, that Scott uh, Friday talked about they're still trying to find some depth there? I, yes, I do feel more comfortable because of the scheme. Lots of yeses from you today. I, there, yeah, I know it feels weird. Um, but there You're is a but. The hype train. <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm leading the hype train. <laughs> um, but I, I am still nervous about center. Like I feel like the one spot that I just wish if if you could just snap your fingers and have them be really strong at a particular position along that offensive line, it would be center. And the starting center, I think, is the biggest question mark right now. Um, and then probably tackle depth like Scott mentioned. Um, But that center spot really makes me nervous because you need to have strong play there and good timing to make this offense go. That will throw off everything. You can't do anything with those running backs if you're getting bad snaps or if you're getting bad center play. I think we made it 25-ish minutes without talking about the quarterbacks uh, extensively. It's probably pretty good, yes. Well, I mean, and part of that is we don't know what's going on with the quarterbacks. They've been so tight-lipped and so close to the vest with this quarterback race. It's crazy. But on Friday, Scott was a little bit, and we talked about this off off mic, I guess. Scott was a little bit more candid than I expected him to be about the quarterbacks. Here's what he said about Adrian Martinez. Adrian is, is great at times, and other times, uh, he, you know, he looks like it's moving a little too fast for him. And he's got to pick up his, his pace physically and mentally and, uh, at times, it's, it's tremendous. At, at other times, uh, when he's not quite sure, he's a little tentative. And that's the case of every quarterback that you get, particularly in this scheme. Uh, I just want to see him turn corners and, and keep making improvements. Uh, quarterbacks have been doing good. I'd like to see them be farther ahead right now than what they are. You know, The, the one thing is, that I think at the end of spring, they were doing a really good job, and it seemed like they got it. Uh, we didn't quite pick up there where we left off from spring. Um, I think the last few days I've seen a, a big improvement, but everything's just got to operate faster for them, and, and that'll come when they're familiar enough with the offense that it clicks in their mind faster. Uh, we got to make some quicker decisions out there. And, uh, all the guys are doing a good job at times, but it, it's got to be more consistent. Any time over the course of the game, there's going to be plays that show up. They just happen where a quarterback's going to have to get out of the pocket and try to make something happen. Um, our job as coaches is going to be to give them as many plays where the decision can be quick and decisive as we can, particularly while they're young. Um, so we, we want them to get the ball out fast, make fast decisions, and then if stuff breaks down and they have to create, uh, those are the times for that. So what strikes you about, I guess, Scott's comments Friday? Uh, not to con- continue to agree with you, but the candor of his comments is what struck me about that. Not necessarily that Adrian has had his ups and downs, that there has been times where he looked great and times where he looks a little confused out there, or I think he said the game is too fast for him. It's, it's just too sped up. Um, I think that that's to be expected for each quarterback that they have. Like, I don't think, I, I can't imagine that that's not happening with all of them. Um, but the fact that he actually went there and said it, um, that that is what jumped out to me 
because I'm surprised by that. And he made the qualifying remarks that I mean that's to be expected with this offense and and when you when you have new quarterbacks, especially with this scheme, it takes it takes a while for them to get comfortable. And then I remember in the spring we talked to Noah Vedral and he's like, yeah, it wasn't clicking for me until the eighth or ninth week of the season. I mean, it, it's just going to take a little bit of time. But I think it was interesting that Scott was because when we've talked to Verduzco, it's been oh everybody's you know looking good, everybody's on the same page. Um, and then Scott was essentially like, we need them to play better. And it wasn't just Martinez. He said it about the entire quarterback group, the, the three guys that are competing for the job, that they need to make faster decisions, that some days they're on, some days they're off. And he said that, uh, what was it, that, that they, took, they, they didn't start where they left off in the fall from the spring, mm-hmm. which I found interesting. When you listen to those comments, does it change? Because you and I are both on the the Adrian Martinez will start train. Mm-hmm. Does it change how you feel about that quarterback race? Because when we talk, when you talk about Adrian Martinez and Tristan Jebbia, the strength that Jebbia brings is the decision making. Mm-hmm. That's that's not new. We, we I mean right. we've we've talked about that before. That he is a faster decision maker. Uh, Verduzco calls it a quick blinker. Mm-hmm. Does does Friday's comments? Maybe give you a little bit more pause about saying Adrian's going to be the guy? Friday's comments do not, because I actually, in this case, like that Scott Frost mentioned when when he was asked about Adrian, gave that candid answer, because maybe to me, and maybe I'm reading into this wrong, completely wrong, and that could be the case, it means to me a little bit... Usually is the case. Yes, it means to me that he is trying to light a little bit of a fire under him and make sure that his head stays completely focused on the task at hand. Um, So if you take it that way, it's a good thing for Adrian. Um, But I just don't know. I don't know what to make of what feels like, at least publicly, any acknowledgement of any sort of separation or anyone does this well or that well. Like, I don't I also don't like how are they going to evaluate the run element of of the evaluation? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm still not sure how they're going to do that unless in the scrimmages they're going to take the green jerseys off. Um, because if that's the case where they're not really evaluating that portion of it, doesn't that take away Adrian's biggest advantage? Yeah. It, I mean, and you were there when Verduzco got asked that question. He's like, well, just mm-hmm. look at film of the spring game when they weren't live. I mean, I... Because what other film do you have? Right. And that's what that 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 response by Verduzco is actually what prompted me to then ask him if they had plans to take the green jerseys off to be able to make that part of the evaluation. Because not just for the run portion, but also because you it is different when guys are actually can be tackled. Like I do want to see what Tristan Jebbia is like in the pocket um, when, you know, Breon Dixon is coming around the corner to maybe hit him or Luke Gifford. Like I do I do, like they should want to know that. I assume they do want to know. Um, so I don't. I just uh, am concerned a little bit on how they make that full evaluation. I would think. I mean, Scott said that they're going to have a scrimmage here pretty shortly, and that some of the reps, because the reps right now are an even split yeah. with between the three of them. And he said when they have that scrimmage, they'll start adjusting them based on performances. I would think that moving forward, those quarterbacks have to be made live uh, in in small doses. I mean, you, you just with. The situation that they're in, with the lack of game experience that they have, you have to see what those guys are going to do when they're getting hit, right? Yeah. But see, I think that if the guy that—well, actually, two of them, two of the three should— 
actually want to do that. Like Andrew Bunch and Adrian Martinez should want to have as many live periods as they can um, so that they can show that they can escape the pocket or that they can run the read option um, as effectively as possible. Like I would want to do that if I were them. Because I would say that if you're sitting there and you're just, you know, five-step drop back, no pressure, hit this out route, I think Tristan would would throw circles around the other two guys. I totally agree. I think he would excel in that. You need that environment where you've got guys that are and Scott talked a little bit about this. They need to be able to 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 when the play breaks down make smart and quick decisions when they get out of the pocket. And you need to be able to see what those guys are going to look like in those situations. If Adrian's youth puts him in a in a position where, you know, he gets outside the pocket and he's just trying to make a play and he throws back across his body and gets intercepted because I mean they they have had more interceptions. Scott said that they've had more uh, in one day in fall and they did in five days combined in the spring like the defense is looking good and giving them um, looks that they weren't getting last year so I think you need that that piece of it to be able to have a full evaluation and I would think that that's going to come in the coming weeks at least at least in the scrimmages right <laughs> you've got to do it then which I think would be the best way to then have some of that separation that he's talking about as well yeah any other takeaways from the start of fall camp? We have gone this whole time still without... We haven't mentioned Cam Taylor <laughs> and the, the praise for him. Because yeah. um, that's been a takeaway. And I think that that is as much as he has been talked about because he's gotten praised so much by various players on his team and his coaches. Um, that's an amazing story that he did not play um, corner cornerback at all. In high school, he played quarterback. He was a dual threat quarterback in high school. Very good athlete. Um, comes to Nebraska as a corner and is excelling to the point to where guys are mentioning him on a consistent basis. Um, and not just for he's not just been praised for making like great athletic plays on the field. Um, I believe it was Stanley Morgan that talked about how um, inquisitive he is about mm-hmm. how many questions he asks and mm-hmm. how he just wants to get better. Like there's a lot of good signs there, um, not just for the immediate future of how much he could play this year, but where he's going as a football player. I'm really excited to see where he ends up. A couple points on that. Travis Fisher said it looks like he's been playing cornerback his entire life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm curious to see if they get some packages for him on offense. Stanley Morgan, the the comment about learning, he was just, I mean, when when I tell him to do something, he listens and he corrects it for the very next play. And, I mean, he's up up the production chart. Lamar Jackson talked about that. He's Mm -hmm. gone up the production chart that Travis Fisher has. I think there's a very realistic possibility that he could start. Are you buying or selling that? I am selling. Um, Was that your answer in our mailbag? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I remain consistent. Um, but I am, I'm selling just because there's a lot of guys for him to jump over. Um, if, if Let's say this way. If he was inserted into last year's group, like if that, all of those guys just returned and no one, none of these other newcomers and it was just him, I think he would start. Um, but they've added a lot of new faces. Um, I think I think Will Jackson has one of those spots. Um, I, I still like the Lamar Jackson DiCaprio Boodle battle will be interesting um, because I think one of those guys is going to play a lot less than they did last year. I just don't know which one it's going to be yet. Right now, I would say Lamar, um, but no, I don't think he's going to start. I think he'll I think he'll play a lot, but I don't think the Cam Taylor starts. I don't have a name for this segment, but I just like pick pick a guy. Give me a guy that you're you're riding the train for the hardest. Riding the bandwagon for the hardest. Boy, 
Can I still be on the Adrian Martinez bandwagon? Do you want to? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm still on the Adrian Martinez bandwagon, and I think despite Scott Frost's like harsh comments, is probably too strong. But just his criticism today about where he real. needs to go, yeah, and then, yeah, comments. just real comments. Um, I, I think ultimately, and we saw. Did we see this set um, in the little uh, period that we saw where you had? Was it was Trey Bryant? No, I, I want to say it was Greg Bell and Maurice Washington. I think in the backfield with Adrian Martinez. Like that type of grouping is what I have visions of when I'm riding the uh, Adrian Martinez hype train. Because I think that in a run game situation um, could be pretty dangerous. So I'm sticking with the Adrian Martinez. That formation with like a JD Spielman fly sweep coming across the formation. Yeah. Dude, that would give the, that would like, I don't know what you see in that. And to me, the reason that you can do that day one is because Adrian Martinez is used to running zone read, obviously, because he was a dual threat quarterback in high school. That doesn't take as much getting up to speed as maybe it's going to take for him to get up to speed passing wise. Mm -hmm. Um, So Stanley may be a little bit hurt in the long run for that. Um, But in the short term with the run game, I think that makes a huge difference. My guy, I think, is Mo Berry. And I thought it was interesting because Friday Scott was talking about guys that that have given him the kind of want to and the kind of effort that he wants to see from the entire team. He was talking about individual guys that have shown that already. And he said Stanley, he said Luke Gifford, and then he went to the inside linebacker group and he said all three of them, but Mo Berry was the first name out of his mouth. And I think, you know, you and I have seen Mo Berry in private workouts. We've seen him on the field. We've talked to him after practices. We've talked to him after games. There's a there's a passion that he has that I think is is very infectious, and I think he's going to have a really big. And I keep saying this. I think he's going to have a big season. I think, I mean, I think he could start. I think he because you and I were talking about this the other day that you think Will Honus is maybe sliding a little bit. I do think that, and I, and I don't. It's 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 because Will I think is not has not been as aggressive or sudden. Um, since he got to Lincoln as he was, especially on that film. Like, the film, like, I, I had more people comment to me about Will Honus's film than anyone else. Um, and when I say to people in my articles, go watch the film, they usually don't. I understand that. But people actually did with Will Honus, and they commented about it a lot. That same stuff has not shown in Lincoln. So it's, but it's not just what Honus has done. Mulberry has put in a tremendous amount of work. Um, and, I, and everything that you said about him and his passion is 100% correct. And it's just going to be hard for me now to see him not starting and having a big role and being a big leader on this team. So I don't think that anymore he's not just a guy who's just going to contribute. I also think he's a guy that this coaching staff will lean on for his leadership too. It's interesting that those three guys we went and, and watched in, in private workouts, Mulberry, Ty Ferguson, and Deontay Williams, we've all heard that they're going to oh, yeah. play significant roles. So I guess off-season individual work uh, will help you out whenever the season if, begins. If we go and see it, we have the magic touch, right? That, that's what you really meant. Well, that's not Ty what I was going Ferguson for. Ferguson might have been my second pick, by the way, on the hype train because, boy, he gets brought up a lot by Jovan DeWitt. You think he can he can jump over? Do you think it's, it's, it's him and Gifford, or do you think Breon Dixon has a starting spot locked up? I think it's Ferguson and Gifford. Okay. With, and Dixon and Tanner have packages. 
which best case scenario, I think can be a really good situation um, because I think that, that Dixon and Tanner both have that pass rushing gene that it's hard to teach and they did not have last year. Um, but I think that Ferguson, I'm really excited to see him in live game situations because it feels like we've heard so much throughout the spring and now even the fall about his improved play that I'm really excited to see him. Tanner is one of those guys that sort of represents uh, the, you know, we talk about a group and we forget about two guys. Because, I mean, <laughs> when when did we talk about Tanner? Caleb right. Tanner last. I mean, he was a good kid. You wrote a feature on him for right. our, for our <laughs> for yearbook. yearbook. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've, but, so have you, when you saw him uh, on Wednesday, what were your initial thoughts when you saw Caleb Tanner? I didn't see him. No. I was focused on the offense. He what looks, were your initial thoughts? He looks like he belongs in the Big Ten, like or in a major college football conference already. Like in knowing, you know, and having done that feature and knowing his high school coach and all of that, like I know that they were trying to get him ready. Um, but I still, in the back of my mind, thought, oh, he'll come in and he'll be a little underweight or he won't be, you know, ready to roll. That he looks like he should be able to play right now. Interesting. Which I, I, I was still a little bit surprised by. They got, they got talent on defense. They got talent. Okay, so so let's let's hit that last then, okay. because we've spent the podcast uh, praising the running backs, talking about how you know how good everyone looks, and trying to divide carries amongst all of these guys. We talked about the quarterback play, a um, little bit more confidence in the offensive line. We like the linebackers. We obviously don't have to worry about wide receiver. Has your, I guess, expectation for what the win loss record is this season? Has that changed? Has that moved at all? It has. Really? It has. And I, and I, and I told myself I would not get sucked into this. And I don't, <laughs> I'm trying not to. But it's hard when you go through kind of like we just did. And you go through and you talk about the different position groups um, and the excitement that various people have about different uh, – all uh, big amount of players right like there's a lot of guys that people either solicited or unsolicited have given really good praise for and especially and i think because the coaching staff has already built the credibility that they praise a guy that it's sincere it's not something that they're just doing for fluff especially scott frost mm-hmm. um so i think you can buy some of the praise or most of the praise that you're hearing yeah i think that that adds up to my expectations rise a little bit, but also because I don't think that this last year, the talent on the team was a four win team. I think it was I'm with at, you on that. At, at worst. I think that that's a six win talent uh, just on talent alone. So if I operate with that, yes, I bump it up a little bit. Well, I mean, they lost, they lost an overtime game and they lost that, that one touchdown game against Oregon mm-hmm. where Tanner threw four interceptions. I mean, those are two, quote-unquote coin flip games right there that can get you up to six wins so yeah I, I agree with you but so so what's your number then what was your number before and what's your number now my number before was six okay i think i'm at eight now so two win bump two win bump and we'll see if we go back down after once we get out of fall like so, i just think that there's a lot of there is a lot of positive things happening but but I also think that how like how what do we factor in the Scott Frost effect? Like the thing, and we've said this to each other kind of like just off of the podcast and just we've been I don't think either of us have written about this yet, maybe we should at some point, is what is the Scott Frost play calling effect? Like what's that worth? What's this coaching staff worth in terms of wins if you believe and I think everyone does it, it's an improved, a better coaching staff. Like what is that worth? Because if that's worth a couple of wins, 
where do you get on your on your win loss total? Well, it was clearly uh, a big enough effect to drop Central Florida in the preseason rankings that much. Did you hear my tangent about that? I did. Like you were not thrilled about that. No, I wasn't. But it's also <laughs> not a hill that I'm going to die on. I was just like, hey, show a little bit more respect. Um, I I I didn't think the play calling was bad last year. I thought it was. I mean, for what they were getting, I thought Danny Langsdorf was kind of in a bind. Like what else yeah. is he supposed yeah, to do? Yeah, I always thought that. <laughs> and and he was getting killed for the the passes that that turned into pick sixes. And I mean, how many times does an intercept? Do you get an interception on a bubble screen? Right. How many times does that happen? How many times do you throw a ball off a guy's face mask and it gets picked? Right. I digress. Um, I have not. Maybe I'll six and a half, and I was firmly at six before. I'll say I, because you can be really good. And I keep going back. I, I mean, it's just the schedule. I keep going back to the schedule. You can, they can be really good, and I think they will be. I think they will be much improved. I think they were better than four wins last mm-hmm. year, six wins uh, uh, with those two coin flip games. Sure, I can, I can meet mm-hmm. you on that. But I think six and a half is probably the highest I'll go. Partially because I don't want to get caught up in all of the hype. Yeah. Because I mean, what else are they going to say? Like, wow, we suck right now. Like I don't think that's going to happen. You think Frost would say that? I mean, I think he's going to find a way. I think he's going <laughs> to be candid, and I think he's going to be real and, and and tell tell it like it is, and try to motivate guys in the press. But I also don't think he's going to come out and, and you know dog whip his team no, in, in the public. So I, I I think there's a fine line you have to draw, and I'll I'll do a a half game bump, given what we've heard about Maurice Washington, and given what we've heard about. A couple of the linebackers and Cam Taylor. What would what would have to happen for you to bump them up more? I'm not advocating for it. I'm just trying to see what you what you need to see or want to hear. Brett Baker. So Brandon wrote in Hot Reads this morning. There was a story done on, stu- on uh, Football Study Hall that was essentially the five elements to a winning offense. Mm-hmm. And Central Florida's offense under Frost last year had all five of those elements. And so the story that Brandon wrote, essentially in Hot Reads, go read it was that that offense checks all those boxes, and that's the offense that's coming to Lincoln. So what does that look like? And Brett, Brett said, I want to see it on the field. I want to see you know when the pads make contact, when pads start popping. I want to see what it looks like on the field. Mm-hmm. And I want to see that too. If, if we get through three weeks and they have beaten Akron, they have beaten Colorado, they've beaten Troy, regardless of how it looks, because I think... The last two games, the Colorado game, given you know the the atmosphere surrounding it, is going to be tense, and I think the Troy game, given the quality of the opponent, is going to be tense. So regardless of how they look, if they're three and zero going into Michigan, if they either beat Michigan or have a close one with Michigan, maybe I'll I'll bump up the prediction. But you but that's not a prediction though. Like you don't want to. So there's so there's no way for them to get higher in fall camp. Which, but, and I don't, like, I think that there are a lot of people with you on that. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that the the majority of fans, even though it, we're in Kool-Aid season right mm-hmm. now, the majority of people are in that boat. I I just think, I've just talked myself into a two-win bump from my initial situation. Part of this is not wanting to make a fool of myself two years in a row, because I said 10 wins last season, and I was, I was off by... <laughs> 
<laughs> a yeah. bowl eligible team. But I think that that's I think that that's also real though. I think there are a lot of people that based on last year either having a high prediction and or having Tanner Lee being a first round draft pick and all of that. Like I think people are still feeling snake bitten. Okay, I never said prediction. Tanner Lee was going to be a first round draft pick. He but looked great throwing in shorts. You and I can yes, you and I can both agree that he looked good in preseason. He did. He looked great. I mean, the quarterback that we heard about was the quarterback that we saw on the field before the season started. And obviously, you know, we're saying the, you know, games matter more than practice. We're talking about that now. But he looked good when they were going live. So, but I, it's just, it's a schedule to me. I want to see, I want to see the actual tangible results on the field. Maybe that'll change with a scrimmage. Maybe if we get a little bit more. Um, if we see a little bit more in this next open availability next Wednesday, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I'll change. But you know, hearing, especially hearing Scott candid about the quarterback play, he, I mean, he said they're not where I want them to be. That's, I mean, I just think I haven't crossed the Rubicon on that. Okay, so I think that's fair. Six totally. and a half is where I'll put it. Not Six that I don't eight. believe in them. I think we're done. You got Three anything? Times. You got anything coming up on the website? No. No, no, not really. I will have stuff coming. You're not up, working. I'm You're not, not working at all. I'm taking the next like four or five days off. You're gonna go get a lemon tart, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I apologize. That tweet got like 500 no, likes. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we don't need too oh, much. We'll have stuff up through the weekend. We don't have any kind of uh, football availability Saturday or Sunday, but we'll, we we will be back with coaches on Monday and then Wednesday and then Friday of next week. So keep it with Hail Varsity through the weekend, and then we'll have stuff up you know on the same schedule as this week next week. And uh, we'll be back Friday with another podcast. Probably have something new to talk about. Maybe Greg convinced me to move up to seven and a half games on my win total. So uh, keep it with us until then. Thanks, guys, for listening.